2: Thank you so much for being here. I'm Jamie Markley. That's David Van Camp. Scott Robbins out today. Uh, He texted and said
3: he will be back tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So we can count on that. All right, David, remain calm. All is well. Yeah, there are still a lot of questions about these objects that Joe Biden has been telling the military to shoot down. There was, of course, the first Chinese spy balloon. Then three more objects were shot down over the weekend, and they're not really sure what they were. They were smaller devices. One was cylindrical. One was like what? One was shaped like a pentagon or something like that. I don't remember. There was some weird shape that they said it was uh, resembling. Um, so we're not really sure what any of that stuff was. Uh, and then we find out, of course, last night the news was, uh, oh yeah, the military had actually been uh, tracking that initial Chinese spy balloon uh, since it took off from China. Yeah. Okay. So we knew about it. Well, now
2: we have more questions than anyone is willing to provide answers for, and the president is not saying anything to anybody. Yeah,
3: (laughs) it's weird. I mean, you got to get out in front of it at some point, don't you? Like, so what? We just we just bend over and let China? I don't know, do a rectal exam of us? Yes, and then people will tell you you're a kook and full of conspiracy
2: theories when you bring up the possibility. Hey. Is our president compromised by China because of past business dealings yeah. that we know about from his son's laptop? Well, that's just, that's so irresponsible. The conspiracy, yeah. well
3: explain it. Well the, the same people who thought that Donald Trump worked with the Russians to steal an election. Okay. Exactly. I'm not I don't care what those people say anymore. It doesn't matter. Yeah, this doesn't make sense. Yeah. Now, the president hasn't addressed the latest actions, and we know why. It's because he's senile, and if it is aliens or something like that, he's going to let it slip, because he can't be trusted. Um, <laughs>
2: well, they keep saying, well, we can tell you this, it's not aliens. Yeah,
3: which now I'm pretty much convinced that aliens have something to do with this. Because uh, they lie about everything. So This is true. I mean, the White House press secretary, Corrine Jean-Pierre, was asked why the president hasn't done some sort of address to the nation when it comes to what is happening in our skies okay I'm ready for a good answer
0: the president is taking this very seriously oh no (laughs) we're freaking doomed
2: (laughs) (laughs) anytime she says he's taking it very seriously Mm -hmm. what does that mean
3: Uh, that we're screwed yep
0: and he's receiving briefings regularly from his national security Uh I would hope you do that anyway right (laughs) Uh, advisors uh, and uh, he's going to continue to do that we are sharing
2: He's going to continue to get updates. Yeah. Fantastic. Great. Hard working, man
0: unreal as much information as we can uh, as uh, as possible uh, and but we do want to make sure that the americans uh, american people understand that uh, there's no need to panic uh, the president took this action as i mentioned earlier because uh, the objects were indeed flying at low uh, lower elevation and they were in civilian airspace and uh, we wanted to make sure that we protected uh, that airspace but again I, you know we want to also make sure that the Amer- americans are not uh, uh, do not panic <sighs>
2: We're not going to provide any explanations, but don't panic. Trust us. Look at our track record so far.
3: You know, I I actually wasn't all that panicked about it. I mean, I was was upset about it. I was confused by it, but I wasn't panicking about it until she says, oh, by the way, just don't panic, okay? (laughs) The one thing you shouldn't do is panic, okay? Well, it's curious to people, where's the president
2: speaking to the people on this? That's a fair question. Yeah, it is. So it makes it seem like, what, are you hiding something? Mm -hmm. What is going on? So that's the biggest issue I see. It's not so much, oh, my gosh, what's up in the sky now? I don't hear people talking about that. It's, why are they not tackling this? Mm -hmm. It doesn't seem to make sense. And as far as trusting the administration, you brought up something. It was a flashback. It was hilarious. But it tells you how weak our leaders
3: are. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I yeah you know, I was having this conversation with a couple of buddies last night, and you know we were thinking, man, it is so unbelievable how military leadership just let a Chinese spy balloon go over the United States. They knew it was coming, and they were like, Yeah, we're just going to let that thing go. why not and now well,
2: especially David, when you hear different people say along the way, Well, once it got to Montana, it already got the different information that it needed to get, yeah, so why not just let it fly through that explanation didn't make sense to anybody at the time, but they were saying, well, they could have got the communications they were looking for long before we shot it down. But once we shoot it down, then we can recover it, and it'll be a treasure trove of
3: information. Well,
2: wait a second. That means China already got the information they
3: wanted. (laughs) None
2: of it makes sense. At this
3: point, part of that that spy craft is uh, gathering intel on the remains of the Titanic. I mean, it's, it's out to sea now. Yes, it's gone. We'll never get it back. Right. Maybe bits and pieces of it we will, but a lot of it's gone. Yeah. Um anyway, uh yeah, here's a fun flashback though. If you're really confused how how did we get to this point? Well, the, the the reality is with Pentagon leadership, we've been here for a while. Remember Lloyd Austin? He is currently the Secretary of Defense. Yes. Now in 2015, he was the top American commander in the Middle East. And remember the plan to combat ISIS? The plan was to spend half a billion dollars to train five, as many as 5,000 Syrian fighters to fight back against ISIS. I remember. Okay. September of 2015, he was asked how many fighters the program had put into the field. Yes. Here was the response.
4: Can you tell us what the total number of trained fighters remains?
1: Uh, it's a small number. And uh, uh, the ones that are in the fight is uh, is... Is we're talking four, four or five?
2: So. I remember at the time thinking, so four or five thousand? No. No. Four, oh, four or five hundred? Nope.
3: Four or five dozen? Nope. Four or five total? It's four or five total, half a billion dollars. You
2: mean you can count on one
3: hand? Yes. <laughs> what? One hand. <laughs>
2: How's that possible? <laughs> Four or five people?
3: Four or five people. Half a billion dollars later.
2: <laughs> I'll never forget that. You and I the day before the show. This can be right. Can it, no. There's got to be another source to no. this story. That, you're not talking about four or five people. No, no
3: you're you yes, talking you about are. four or five people, yeah. <laughs> and now that guy's the Secretary of Defense. Yes. We're screwed, man. Yes. We are screwed. There's no doubt about it. But you know what we got? What's that? Equity? Oh, yeah, well, that's true.
2: We do have that. Okay, did see uh, the lead at some of the uh, different media outlets had the tragedy at Michigan State University with the shooting there. There was one little fact that I didn't see on the morning news shows
3: today, which is pretty big when it comes to this story. Oh, it's a big, yes, it's huge. Uh, This 43-year-old guy who murdered three people, injured five others at Michigan State University this week. Uh, The guy was arrested, as we talked about yesterday, for illegally carrying a concealed handgun back in 2019. Now, initially, the charge was a felony. But he wound up taking a plea deal for a misdemeanor gun charge, and he got probation for it. So presumably, unless there's anything else in his record or there's any part of the plea agreement with a misdemeanor on the record, he would have still passed any background check at this point because his, his probation was up. Mm-hmm. So then we were asking the question yesterday, well, uh, what happened here? Why, why did it get downgraded? Why did the felony charge get dropped? Right. Well, the, the district attorney at the time was a woman named Carol Seaman, and it turns out She's one of those far-left prosecutors who put the rights of criminals ahead of victims. She pursued the felony charge. If she had pursued the felony charge, I mean, the killer would still be in prison right now. You're talking about five years in prison. Okay. So
2: from the same people yeah. that all the time say we have to get serious about guns in this country, yeah. downgraded the felony to a misdemeanor.
3: Yes. Well, okay. And it's for racial equity. Yep. Uh, She said that, uh, again, this is her words, not about this particular case, but about just in general, the idea of prosecuting gun crimes, especially those committed by African Americans. She was concerned that add-on felony charges impact racial equity in policing, and the change in firearm policy was a race equity issue, not a gun violence issue, where it was becoming more permissive when it came to gun crimes committed by African-Americans, uh, just because, well, we need equity. <laughs> and, that got, and that got people killed. I mean, you could talk about background checks all day sure. long, uh, sure. and it doesn't go anywhere. Because at the end of the day, you have to start putting criminals behind bars and keeping them there. But that's the thing. It's not about the truth
2: or how this really happened. It's about a narrative for the media outlets. It's disgusting, but I guess it's something that we should expect right now. Speaking of big networks, uh, this is a crazy stat from the Super Bowl. Rihanna's halftime show actually attracted more viewers than the Super Bowl itself. Wow. Rihanna's uh, performance and pregnancy reveal had 118.7 million viewers. The game itself averaged 113 million. Wow. I wouldn't have guessed it, but I guess that's not... (laughs) it's not that abnormal and that's actually the second now most watched halftime show Hmm. so someone lip-syncing while pregnant doing mid-level stripper moves is huge in america (laughs) but it's not as big as katy perry and left shark which drew 121 million viewers in 2015. and you know what that says what's that america's still racist because katy perry's white I've made that up, but I'm waiting for that take (laughs) within the next four hours. I'm guessing we'll probably see it. Um, I don't know if you saw this, but some of the Black Lives Matter true believers now have to face the facts. We'll get to that and much more coming up right right the markley van camp robin show i'm jamie markley that's david van camp scott robbins so you've got a low grade fever nothing to be too concerned with but he should be back tomorrow um saw this story um ronda office is calling out a local reporter in florida caught on a hot mic saying her job is to make the governor uncomfortable mm-hmm. and you know it If nothing else, I appreciate the honesty, because that's true. It's not to ask questions to get answers for the people of Florida. It's gotcha moments.
3: Well, remember, for years, journalism schools, and I can tell you this, having been through one, uh, journalism schools have been trying to train people to be activists, not reporters. Yes. And not actually trying to get answers about hot-button issues or any controversies, but actually to try to make somebody look good or somebody look bad. That's it is the new term jernactivist? activist? <laughs> Jern activist. I
2: like that. I I didn't know if I was pronouncing it right. I saw it in print. Yeah. Like yeah, that's pretty much true. So this hot mic, you can hear uh, you tell me if you can make this out cuz I've already heard it. I don't think mm-hmm. you've heard it yet. Um where it picks up what she is saying to a colleague. My
0: job here is to ask tough questions and make him uncomfortable, I guess. But I'm going to try. I'm try to get
2: one. Going to try to get at least one. Yeah. Make him uncomfortable. Yep. Yeah. And then a little bit later. Well,
0: I know mean, my web manager said, just run to him when he gets off the stage and just yell questions
2: out. Probably can't make that out, right? Yeah, that's a little bit difficult to make that out. Okay. What you're saying there is my web manager said at the end, just run up to him and start yelling questions. Yeah. It's like he already doesn't like the media. Yeah. It's like, what are you, sissying down? You have a job to do there. Make the governor uncomfortable. Yeah. It's one thing if you're just asking honest questions, and that makes a politician uncomfortable. Good for you. Yeah. But just to make somebody look bad,
3: this is one of the reasons people have no respect for, quote, journalists anymore. Right. I mean, so much of it is about how do I look on TV and and can I get my viral moment, not actually about doing the job of serving the people who watch your channel or listen to your station or read your newspaper. Yes. You know... I saw
2: a piece this morning, and I didn't even bring it into the show because it's it's sort of long and convoluted, but I can at least give you my takeaway. It was someone writing with Columbia Journalism, that school, looking at the New York Times and what's happened over five years. Yeah. And it has completely... <laughs> it was already shifted as far as just being propaganda for the left, and it's full on now. And it's interesting because these two parties sort of work together, Columbia and the New York Times. Yeah. And and share people in a way. For them to actually come out and say what they said was really striking. Now, will the people that desperately need to hear that message actually hear it? That follow the New York Times? Probably not. No. But that's too bad. I did see this at the Federalist. Eddie Scarry, he is <laughs> a lot of funny stuff. He is saying um as far as the Black Lives Matter true believers, it's finally time to figure out this whole thing was a scam. But you're a little bit late to the party. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with is it Karen Atia from the Washington Post? Uh, she was vaguely. ripping. She was ripping on Rihanna for selling out by doing the Super Bowl. Okay. Uh, and this is why. And I do remember this. Rihanna was offered that gig back in 2019 to do the Super Bowl halftime show. Mm-hmm. Said she would not do it because of Colin Kaepernick. Yeah. And I don't think she ever backed off of that. Um. So now she's being called out. I didn't even realize this until I read this piece, that there are people on the far left that really thought Rihanna sold out by doing the Super Bowl halftime show mm-hmm. at all. Um. Charles Blow in the failing New York Times. Yeah. Was also going with that sort of narrative. In the end, what Eddie Scarry is saying with his whole piece is that finally they're waking up to the fact that the Black Lives Matter thing was a scam because Charles Blow was writing about the whole Tyree Nichols case, saying, hey, where is all this whole movement seemed to end with the funeral? Where were all the protests? Why did this not continue on like it did in 2020?
3: Because <laughs> there's not a presidential election. Exactly. Yeah. Yes.
2: And, and so I think this is what he wrote. This is what Charles Blow wrote. Um, so what fell away were these evanescent allies poll-chasing politicians and cooped-up COVID kids who had used the protests as an opportunity to congregate. Some of us said it at the time. (laughs) And this dude is now waking up to that. Yeah, And that's why Eddie writes, Blow and Adia might be the last people in America to realize that BLM as a national entity is nothing but a scam. Even in the literal sense of the word. As endless stories have come out since 2020 exposing the group's leaders as frauds. And money embezzlers using innocent donations to enrich themselves with expensive homes and private jet travel.
3: <laughs> well, that's, that's just funny to me. Well, and, and I think they, the, the writers mentioned here and, and many others who have a problem with Rihanna doing the halftime show as a sellout or whatever, they're actually kind of telling on themselves, too. Because how many times yes. have we heard, we need diversity on the halftime show? Okay, we got to have black performers. remember Bruno Mars wasn't good enough because he was a non-black person of color. That's what yes. they said. Yes. Well, That's okay, right. you got you got an African-American, well, highly successful African-American entertainer performing at the halftime show, and now you're calling her a sellout for taking the stage. Yes. Well, and
2: and on Rihanna, you know, we need change in the NFL. Eddie Scarry in the end says, is the NFL any In any way noticeably different today than it was in 2020? Of course not. But Democrats have the bulk of power in Washington. So that put Rihanna and others in a much better mood. Some people had to find out the hard way. Okay. We got a clip from Rachel Levine. You gotta hear. Straight ahead. All right, the Markley Van Camp and Robbins show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins out. He said he'll be back tomorrow. I'm looking up at Fox News, and it's talking about that story we mentioned earlier, that our military tracked the spy flight from China with that balloon. Yeah. Yet when people were first seeing the balloon, the White House seemed confused by what it might be.
3: I don't know what that is. You know, A drunk rancher in Montana maybe lost control of a kite. I'm not sure. Okay, so was there just no
2: communication or the White House knew it, didn't want to say it? No, it was a cover up. Yes, but no one wants to seem to answer questions on that. Why? Because it they doesn't want to make cover any sense. Up. And why would you want to cover up
3: when China's doing something like this and we allow it to happen? Well, there's a couple different theories out there. I know there is always, you know, dangling out there Joe's business connections with China. Y'all. I don't know about that. Could be. Could it also could be. be. Uh, could also be that uh, they didn't really know what was on the spy balloon, and they didn't want to acknowledge it for fear that there would be this uh, need to go to war with China. Okay. Like, they're trying to be like, well, we don't want to really rock the boat here with the Chinese, and we don't really want to risk any sort of confrontation, so we're just going to let this spy balloon go over us. Okay.
2: Yeah. yeah, that sounds like a healthy relationship, because okay. I think we all know if we floated a spy balloon over China, what would happen? It would get shot down pretty quickly.
3: Of course it would. Yeah. So more on that a little bit later. You have a clip from Rachel Levine? Yeah, Rachel Levine. This is the obese man who thinks he's a woman who Biden decided was the perfect person to help lead our nation's health care system. Uh, Dr. Levine was... <laughs> Every word of that is true. It is
2: true. And I think I've mentioned this before, and I can't help it. If this was, you don't even have to go back 10 years. If this was five years ago, and you said this person is going to be on the national team of health. Yeah. You said, okay, that's some sort of movie from the creators of South Park. No, this is reality. Yes, it is. You would say, come on, that's not true. Yeah. And here we are.
3: So but anyway, go ahead. Dr. Levine yeah. was asked about how bad it is that states like... Florida uh, and Texas want to prevent the government from grooming school children with the trans crap. Oh, I'm guessing Rachel doesn't like it. Uh,
5: Studies show that one supportive adult, one supportive adult for an LGBTQI plus kid can make all the difference in terms of, of preventing suicide, in terms of, of them being able to navigate the world and to, to adulthood and leading a, a you know a happy, successful, productive life.
2: Okay, what study? What did you cherry pick? Yeah. Because I've read several other studies that would not support that at all. Mm -hmm. Not even close.
5: One supportive adult. I'd love that that was always the parent, but it's not always a parent. Frequently, it's a teacher um, or a guidance counselor. or
2: Oh, here we go. We want to raise your kid. Yep.
5: Let
3: us groom them. The state is your mom and dad. Oh, buddy.
5: Some other coach or another school personnel. This law forbids kids, essentially, from, uh, from talking to, to, to these people. And also, it, it means that, the, that if you tell a teacher, the teacher has to tell the parent.
2: Okay, let's just uh, let's get into the truth circle here, yeah. if you don't mind. We don't have to hold hands. That okay. makes some people uncomfortable, <laughs> but if we could stand yeah. in the truth circle. Okay, let's talk to everybody in America. Let's talk about your 12-year-old. They seem to be a little confused right now. Who here, by a show of hands, is comfortable with that child talking with Rachel Levine, of all people, about their confusion right now? Uh, No. Show of hands? No, 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 no. Of course not. And we all know it. But yet we're supposed to play pretend right now that Mm. this person has some sort of great point. People wouldn't trust their kids with this person. Why? Because they have mental issues for everyone to see. Stop pretending. You can say the truth in love. I know most people can do it better than me, but that's because I've had it. Yeah. Just the truth needs to be told.
3: You know, you know what always I know I mentioned this just yesterday, I think, but one of the reasons why I hate all those extra letters that are uh uh tacked on to LGB, it used to be, remember, LGB, and that yes. was it. Mhm. Um And now you've got the TQ plus two-spirit whatever nonsense that's tacked onto it. Because I guarantee you, if the radical trans-activist crowd had not gotten involved in kids' education, we would not be talking about any of this right now. No. Nobody, Nobody is sitting here really worried about... I mean, you may have a handful of examples, but I mean, just on balance, nobody is staying up at night worried that their kid may be gay or a lesbian or bisexual or whatever. They're not freaked out about that. What they're freaked out about is some groomer in school Mm -hmm. helping to connect them with other groomers who are going to give them dangerous drugs.
2: Yes. I think it's also the social contagion people are worried about with other kids trying to bring your kid into their group right as they're all confused that's always I mean you're always worried about peer pressure that sort of Mm -hmm. thing but as far as the adults go you're absolutely right so what okay here's the last of what uh Levine had to say
5: and so it really is is a gag rule it's a gag law um to to help uh, to prevent kids from accessing supportive adults
3: no no it's a it's a it is absolutely a gag order on groomers yeah it's protection for the kids And yeah, there's nothing wrong with it.
2: I mean, you can try to position that, but I I don't think you're going to win parents over with that one, unless they are the type of parents that are going to say, yes, we want to be cool with our, you know, liberal peers, that sort of thing. And we get an award for having a trans kid. That sort of sickness that we see throughout society. Outside of that, um, no, parents like those laws, as we've seen through the different polling. If you take away the nonsense how the left always sort of brands these things as the don't say gay bill and things like that yeah. and you actually go with the facts or what, you know, of what is actually in the bill, parents are incredibly supportive of it. Yeah. I mean,
3: you've got a go- you've got a government official actually out there right now saying that it should be appropriate for a kindergarten teacher to talk to a kindergartner who is not their kids about mm-hmm. the status of their gen- uh, of their gender of their yes. genitals, of their sexuality. Uh-uh. Yes.
2: No. Of course not. No. No, keep those people away. <laughs> a lot of times, you're talking about predators. Not going to have it. All right, I know we got to move on. It is the time of the show where we're looking at news, see a lot of stories, and it might not be the biggest story of the day, but it caught your attention. Today, David,
3: what's your story? So we all know that if you live in an urban area, You're probably not going to see as much wildlife around. You might see squirrels. You might see pigeons. If you're in New York or Chicago, you're definitely going to see gigantic rats. But, you know, seeing a fawn, seeing deer, seeing a fox or whatever, fairly rare, right? That's because it's it's a dense urban environment, right? We all understand this. You put buildings in the place of trees and you get less wildlife. Yep. According to two Canadian researchers at the University of Manitoba, white neighborhoods enjoy a greater abundance of wildlife than urban neighborhoods because of racism. (laughs) Systemic racism has had lasting effects on the structures of cities. We found generally consistent patterns of reduced genetic diversity and decreased connectivity in neighborhoods with fewer white residents, likely because of environmental differences across these neighborhoods. Systemic racism alters the demography of urban wildlife populations in a way that generally limit population sizes and negatively affect their chances of persistence. (laughs) No. (laughs) It's no. This is like an old Dave Chappelle bit. (laughs) It's like, okay, hey, you know, we don't. We don't see a whole lot of moose walking down Fifth Avenue. Why is that? I know. It's racism. That's why. Yeah,
2: only the next crop of these researchers will say, well, it's not actually the people. Even the
3: animals are racist.
2: (laughs) Foxes could come to urban areas they don't want to because they're more comfortable with the white people.
3: You ever notice how coyotes follow around black people at Target? (laughs) (laughs) Expecting them to steal something those racist coyotes
5: (laughs) oh
2: my goodness you know all these stories these are totally separate for my story today and I actually went and got this from the local school district um, in California Um, this has to do with menstrual equity in schools because in grade school now you have to have uh, tampons available in the boys restroom yeah that there were pictures being circulated online where you had the tampons placed right above the urinals? (laughs) I'm not even... You can't make it up!
3: Can't put them in the stalls even? (laughs) Above the urinal, huh? No! Okay. No, right
2: above the urinal. you got to be able to see it for everybody. So I'm looking at the resource material for the district. And it's talking about, you know, the start of the 2022-23 20, school year. Assembly Bill 367 requires a public school, including a school operated by a school district, county officer education or charter school, um, to stock at all times an adequate supply of menstrual products available and accessible free of cost mm-hmm. in all women's restrooms and all gender restrooms and in at least one men's restroom. There also needs to be a notice posted about the requirements of the bill section related uh, to the schools in a prominent and conspicuous location in every restroom required to stock menstrual products. Okay, now then it says, uh, what must be included in the notice? Contact information. Got to have it. (laughs) So check this. The notice must include an email address and phone number for the person responsible for maintaining the supply of pads and tampons. Uh Hey, Carl, (laughs) we're low on the tampons at the boys' restaurant. That's your job, Carl. (laughs) I can't believe I fought in Korea for this. (laughs) Yes, that that's the guy that finally says, F all. I'm <laughs> done. I can't do this anymore. This is insanity. This is a war on reality. But that's my story today. Oh, my it's gosh. mental equity in schools it, well,
3: in California. Well and these people don't know how teenage boys think too, because you know how many of those freaking tampons are gonna wind up in someone's mac and cheese at lunch. Of course. Are you kidding me? Of it's course. gonna be a freaking disaster. <laughs> Okay,
2: uh, there's a lawsuit in New York. Officials sent fingerprints of unvaccinated teachers to the FBI. we got to get to that and much more coming up right here. van camp and robin show jamie markley david van camp scott robbins unvaccinated teachers oh my goodness just like the scourge the unvaccinated also put our economy at
3: risk risk.
2: causing unease in the economy around and uh huh causing unease around the kitchen table yeah
3: yeah yeah they remember that yeah.
2: shoes yeah. refusal to get vaccinated cost all of us. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm moving forward to vaccination requirements wherever I can.
3: That wasn't that long ago. No, no, it wasn't. No. Uh, yeah, New York City, though, remember they fired a bunch of people for not getting this vaccine. Now, apparently, they are hiring people back if they want their jobs, but they're not promising that you'll get the same salary and benefits that you had before you were let go because you didn't get this vaccine that doesn't work. How yeah.
2: about not only do I get the same, I get more money, and then you pay me for when I've been gone.
3: Yeah, I think back pay and an apology is in order, but they're never going to do that. Uh, New York City, though, they also, according to this lawsuit, sent the fingerprints of unvaccinated public school teachers to the FBI. Wow. They, they claim that there was a uh, 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 they were flagged with a problem code that could affect their ability to get another job. So if you try to get another job, they do a background check and that could potentially at least this is what they're alleging show up, show up on any uh, future background check from a potential employer Okay
2: because that would what be a bad thing? Yeah because you were a teacher say 27 years old and in good health and you did your research and your research told you uh, there might be more risk of getting the vaccine than not getting it so I'm not going to get it and that could keep you from getting
3: a job in the future. Potentially. That's what they're alleging in this lawsuit. Wow. I mean, all the, the, the avalanche of, of lawsuits has only just begun. It's just a trickle right now, and it's going to pick up steam in the coming years. Because, I mean, this is especially for for a vaccine that doesn't stop transmission. There is no community benefit to getting this vaccine. And therefore, no. any talk of a vaccine mandate... Is plainly wrong absolutely yeah we're gonna see lawsuits
2: from people in the military all over the place and you know every once in a while and it could be if you're clicking on a video on youtube something like that you'll see another ad to get a booster did you know booster shots are available Yeah. and you get all that right but you've seen the numbers people that were getting vaccinated regularly with the boosters stopped getting the
3: booster yeah isn't it in big numbers? Isn't it down to like sixteen to eighteen percent have gotten all of the shots at this point? Yeah, I thought it was
2: less than twenty, but I don't have it in front of me. But I think that sounds about right. So you got a huge amount of people that were on track and believed yeah. in it. Now are like
3: no more. Well, well yeah. I mean, it, again, if you are seeing uh, reports of negative side effects and things like that. And you realize, well, I've, I've already had COVID now because <laughs> a lot of people have had COVID and have been vaccinated like three times or four times. Yes. You know, what? what's the point of going and getting another shot? You know, the flu shot, for example, they love to compare it, you know, to the COVID shot. The medical establishment does. But at, at the same time, the flu shot doesn't carry the same level of risk for no. most people. For most people. And, you know. Sometimes it actually does work on occasion. The effectiveness of, ranges from like 20 to 60 or 70%.
2: Yes, we found that out too. Yeah.
3: But just out of curiosity,
2: anybody you know that was getting every single booster that stopped doing it?
3: Yes. Yeah. And why? Why did they stop? Mainly because they got COVID. Right. And it's like, okay, well, never mind. Yeah. I can
2: see whatever news report, but once I get it when I thought I wouldn't, yeah, then I'm... Pretty much done. I don't know if you knew this. Today is Singles Awareness Day. Okay. Okay. And I, di- I didn't even click on the piece, but I did see some people talking about it. Uh, apparently, the Washington Post yesterday on Valentine's Day had a piece. Hey, don't forget about the asexual people. Okay?
3: Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Enough.
2: I figured that would put you over the edge. We hear I about I wish you everyone could have seen the, the Van Camp eye roll. <laughs> that was incredible.
3: Golly. Yes.
2: Uh, so for Singles Awareness Day, they have these anti-love songs at top ten. Love hurts from Nazareth, the number one. Love bites stuff left. Yeah. There you go, there's number two. This is the Markley Van Camp at Robin Show. Thank you for being here. I'm Jamie Markley. That's David Van
3: Camp. Scott Robbins is out. Said he'll be back tomorrow. News update, David Van Camp. We are led by absolute morons. I know that's a theme a lot of days, and it's depressing nonetheless. Yes. But here we go again. Uh, there's a lady named Karen Decker. This is a person who is the official diplomat to Afghanistan. Okay. And you know, Afghanistan has been through a lot after the disastrous pullout of U.S. Armed Forces uh, that we witnessed uh, under Joe Biden. Well, Karen Decker tweeted out uh, today, Are Afghans familiar with hashtag Black Girl Magic and the movement it inspired? Do Afghan girls need a similar movement? What about Afghan women? Teach me. Ready to learn. Hashtag Black History Month. And she tags Beyonce and Lizzo. Girls in Afghanistan are being raped and being executed for not covering their faces. Oh, my goodness, man. Tone deaf does not begin
2: to state how idiotic that is. <laughs> they, what this person said. They, 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 can't, they can't go to school. No, I I don't think. And they're saying if they just had inspiration from Beyonce, is that what I'm understanding? From Beyonce,
3: from Beyonce and Lizzo.
2: Yes, Queen, you can. No, you'll get shot and killed. You can't go to school if you're a female in Afghanistan. What? What are you talking about? Oh my goodness. (laughs) hey can we tie in an inspirational uh message to the women in afghanistan along with black history month yes i'm on it says karen decker
3: heck yeah let's send lizzo over there (laughs) send lizzo over there and all those afghan girls are gonna go oh that's where all the food went
2: (laughs) you know what go ahead and ask beyonce and Lizzo. Rihanna, if she's available. Hey, would you mind going over to speak to the women in Afghanistan and give them an inspirational message how they can pull themselves up by their bootstraps? Is that a joke? But,
3: but have you heard <laughs> These people have aid?
2: Really, they, they have brainwashed themselves to think they're, in, they're oppressed in this country, in the United States. <laughs> and that somehow it was because of their sheer will and twerking abilities that they overcame. This is absolute freaking madness. <laughs> Funny and sad all at the same time.
3: Oh, we, we're in a lot of trouble, Jamie. We're in a lot of trouble. Oh, my gosh. Wow. That's something, man. Okay. All right. More
2: on that later. Please keep an eye on that. i okay. got to hear updates. I will. There has to be... This one has to take that back at some point. And, like, give this sort of statement of, okay, I realize now how tone-deaf that was. That's what I'm waiting for. (laughs) Meanwhile, we found out yesterday afternoon that our government actually knew that that balloon that was just floating over Alaska and then Montana
3: and across the United States, we knew
2: that was a Chinese spy balloon from the
3: jump. Yeah. The the Pentagon apparently knew that it that it had been launched. And they saw it go by Guam, they saw it go by Hawaii and then all of a sudden it just takes a hard left turn, goes up to Alaska. Okay, so from the time it launches yeah. and goes into the air, they know exactly
2: what it is, right? Yes. Okay. <laughs> they, they know. But other people are saying, "What the, what is that up there? What is it?" Well, that's a big balloon up there. Yes. Well, what is it? We, we don't know. It doesn't seem like the White House knows, but yet our military knows. Okay, I know. It's the fifth dimension, up, up, and away, my beautiful balloon. It's nice, but this is a Chinese spy balloon. But that's Lloyd Austin. Well, can't you just appreciate the beauty of such a balloon?
3: Shapers. <laughs> <laughs> Golly. Well, so why
2: the cover-up?
3: That's a great question. It, you knew it was heading towards Alaska. I mean, this wasn't, what did they call it, the phrase that paid ye- last week was uh, a domain awareness gap. Yes. There was no domain awareness gap. They knew where it was. There were plenty of other opportunities to take this thing out of the sky. And then they said, well, it just we just found out about it over Montana. Well, actually, we found found out about it over the Aleutians. Uh, actually, we knew exactly when it launched and from where it launched uh, out of out of southern china uh, we'd actually known about that for quite some time okay wow all
2: right just for any dude that sort of forgot valentine's day yesterday i hope they use the uh, domain awareness gap yeah. excuse oh sorry certainly yeah. that would fly <laughs> <laughs>
3: Now, Karine Jean-Pierre spoke about this? Yeah, well, there are a lot of questions about these objects, the other objects that Joe Biden has shot down, because it's just very odd that he let a Chinese spy balloon fly all over the country, but is now shooting everything down. It's like, hashtag, pray for the Canadian geese. You know? <laughs> or our weather balloons. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, And it seems like this is a politically driven change in tactics. Like, oh my gosh, the backlash was on so much that now everything that's in the sky is going to get blown out. Um, Yes. Anyway, White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre was asked about this. Hey, what, you know, why are you suddenly shooting everything down? Fair question.
0: Two Two different things, right? The Chinese surveillance balloon, completely different um operation if you will a com- complete different um, um, um you know situation if you will oh, good. it was
3: if you will oh, yeah she's so bad at this dude
0: Wow. It was a, a balloon as you all know that was a Chinese surveillance balloon. Uh, yes. We wanted the president's number one thing was to make sure that uh, we kept American civilians safe. He took recommendations from the Pentagon uh, who told who who said that we should follow the path and he agreed they followed the path but he also said the moment that they can to shoot it down and that's what occurred. But-
2: okay. We already know all of this. Yeah. This is like some sort of stall tactic. If you will. But if you will. So why now, if you will, are we shooting it all down?
0: But let's remember what, what happened while the, while the balloon was on its path. We were able to collect data from it. We were able to protect our security data on the ground and learn. How
2: do you know that? How do you know what they have and what they don't? You don't.
0: And learn from the Chinese surveillance balloon. That's what we were able to do. And when it got over an area where uh, it was safe, where we were able to collect, because we are collecting the data that's on the, the, the I should oh, not the data, but the, um, the debris, right, that's on the ocean floor and learning more about its capabilities. And when we were able to do that, they shot it down. <laughs>
2: Thank you for that minute and seven seconds of not answering the question. Of not even really speaking English. Well, no. No. Hey, could we put her on that convoy over to Afghanistan for the inspirational speech for women? (laughs) Along with Beyonce, Lizzo, (laughs) and if Rihanna's available. Yeah. I would like to hear that and how it goes (laughs) over there. That would be really interesting. Talk about lost in translation. Whoo, buddy. You know, we get... I was surprised that Good Morning America actually led their broadcast today with this story about the airlines, because we're finding out more and more, we got a possible debacle happening sometime soon, and we've barely missed a debacle several times.
3: Yeah, there have been several near misses at airports in Austin, Houston, Hawaii, like in a a couple of cases, you've got planes either landing or about to take off, and another plane just crosses the runway. and they just has to come to a screeching halt. Yes. Uh very very close calls there. Um well now uh Good Morning America as you mentioned is reporting the FAA is looking into this. Like what's going on here? Yeah, okay.
5: This morning, the FAA saying it will form a safety review team to examine the nation's aviation system after a series of incredibly dangerous close calls. The FAA's acting administrator writing in a memo, we are experiencing the safest period in aviation history, but we cannot take this for granted. Recent events remind us that we must not become complacent. Now is the time to stare into the data and ask hard questions.
2: Like that one plane leaving Hawaii? Yeah. (laughs) And he talked to the people on board thing. All of a sudden, it just nosedives like yeah. it's going to head into the ocean and then recovers, what, 300 feet above ground? Yeah. People were like, I was sitting there with my wife and kids. I thought this is it. You don't even hear
3: about that. No. Well, the so the question, they're the hard questions that they need to look into. One of them is what does the COVID va- vaccine mandate had had anything to do with this? You know, you had a lot of. Uh, pilots just say, okay, to hell with it. I'm going to take my retirement and leave. Mm-hmm. And so has that led to this cascading effect where you've got fewer people rushing to get as much, uh, as many flights off the ground and to their final destinations as possible? Is that creating this kind of chaos? And then one of the questions that's being raised, and this was on Tucker Carlson last night, was about diversity requirements. Um like, are airlines hiring the best people or only hiring to meet racial quotas? That was a big part of uh, Tucker's point last night. Uh, United Airlines, in particular, uh, had talked about this. You know, remember, there, was it, what was it, a year ago or so? They were talking about we yeah, have 50% women. Um, and then they were talking about racial diversity and things like that uh, instead of actually looking for and giving wings to the best pilots. I I don't think that's in play just yet, personally. Well, and you don't know what's real and what's not, but you've got
2: people that, you know, are not identifying themselves, but say, I've worked with United, yeah. and let me tell you what's going on. Yeah. We got a bunch of diversity stuff happening, and it's a nightmare because you've got these people that think they're ready to fly, and all of a sudden you look at their simulations, and what was the one number? Out of 25 possible landings, 15 ended up in the dirt. Yeah. So they had to go back and get more hours. You're yeah. like, "Holy crap, man!"
3: But but in ter- but I don't think that in particular is at play right now because the same 1,500 hour minimum uh, requirement still applies, and a lot of the people who would be meeting these diversity quotas are mm-hmm. still in school. They're, they haven't been given the clear to get into the cockpit. So I think something else is happening right now. Okay.
2: Well, if that is you know coming then. And it's just diversity higher, and it's just like, hey, as far as how well they can do the job, doesn't it matter as much as if they check off a box? Then you end up with...
0: Two two different things, right? (laughs) The Chinese surveillance balloon, Uh, uh, completely different um, operation, if you will, a complete different... um... You
2: get that version of a pilot.
3: Yeah, that's that's not good.
2: (laughs) No, nobody wants that for crying out loud. They don't care what color anyone is. They don't really care about their sexuality. Are you good at flying a plane? That's pretty much it. And with all these close calls recently, man, that's, it's definitely concerning. Enough so that even Good Morning America was going to leave with that story today. found that to be very interesting. Okay, much more to get to. Um, a teen is saying, you know, social media is a weapon of mass destruction. Does she have a point? We'll get to that and much more coming up, ready. Right yeah. right. The Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. I'm Jamie Markley. That's David Van Camp. Scott Robbins out today. He'll be back tomorrow. Listen, I know you sound like old man River when you say You know, David,
1: mm-hmm.
2: we're failing our kids. Yes, we are. Hmm, back in But Monday. you know what? We're freaking failing our kids. Yeah. In a number of different ways. There's no doubt about it, especially since the pandemic. But social media, we heard this long before the pandemic. It was jacking up kids' mental health. And especially girls boys Mm too but especially girls because of social media and there was so much talk about it throughout 2017 18 even 19 seemed to go by the wayside after the pandemic but i mean depression rates suicide rates all since the smartphone came into existence for teens yeah it hasn't been good and i thought this was an interesting story about this girl that noticed it early on in her teen years
3: Yeah, uh, her name is Emma Lemke. Uh, She's a 20-year-old now, but she's leading the log-off movement, encouraging young people to rethink their social media habits. And she actually testified in front of the Senate. And this is part of what she had to say.
4: The genie is out of the bottle. But make no mistake, unregulated social media is a weapon of mass destruction that continues to jeopardize the safety,
0: privacy, and well-being of all all american youth
2: some people might think that's a gross overstatement
1: Mm -hmm.
2: i'm not one of them i think when you just look at the numbers of kids mental health i think there's really something
3: to what she's saying yeah where, where i get a little squishy on the whole thing is you know when we see something like the twitter files drop we hate seeing the government interfere in what content goes out over social media right um, and so then what what regulations are you talking about? How, how, how do you prevent these slimy bureaucrats in the Justice Department or elsewhere in the government, the State Department, we found out, from hijacking that in order to basically just officially turn social media into state media? Well, I wonder if there's something as far as kids
2: go. I mean, it's like you can't drive until you're a certain age Mm -hmm. and you know about kids developing brains. And if you know something that is just not good for their brain. And I understand if you say, well, you put an age limit until you can get on whatever social media app. There are always ways around it. But at least you're putting forth an effort to protect the kids. Because, you know, if you let a kid make all their own choices, it's going to be a freaking disaster. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, in any number of different areas. Mm hmm. You know, from what they eat to what they watch. I mean, it goes on and on and on. I mean, obviously, they know if they were born the different sex that they could, you know, mutilate their genitals, Yeah, which is also ridiculous in this day and age. But she went on. She was on Fox this morning,
3: right? Yeah. Yeah. Saying, well, it's not just about age restriction. She's talking about the government cracking down on social media companies. Ooh.
4: I experienced these harms at the age of 12, and I'm
0: sitting here today as a 20-year-old eight years later and I still see the harm occurring. These companies have been incapable, if not unwilling, to make these changes based off the harm that they are causing young people. So it is time for lawmakers to step in to hold these companies accountable to design with the best interest of their young users at mind.
2: Yeah, you would like to see that. And I would guess we'll see what we've seen before. People in Congress saying,
0: yeah, you evil...
2: Media tech companies, how much did you give to my campaign?
3: Yeah, right. Yeah, thank you again. Yeah, back Yeah, way. I got to do this. This is part of the act in front of right. all the other people. Everybody knows how the game is played. You go and get yelled at for a few hours by members of Congress, then you go back to making billions of dollars.
2: Yes. It's like playing good cop, bad cop. Yeah. You know, all the time. That's just, you know, part of the game. Okay. <laughs> the least sinful state in the United States. We got to get to that coming up. You might
3: be surprised. This is the Markley, Van Camp, and Robin show. Biggest story of the day, David is there. There's a few, but I think the biggest one is the revelation that the U.S. government knew about that Chinese spy balloon as soon as it took off in China. We knew about it. Yeah. Yes. And it's like, oh yeah, nothing. That. It's going to go past Guam. It's going to maybe go over Hawaii or something. But uh, oh wait, it's going up to Alaska, huh? It's like, hey, Mark Milley, uh, Lloyd Austin, should we shoot that thing down? Nah, it's fine. Nah, it's fine. Yeah. I got a I golf make sure game it's with, safe. The, with the fine people at Raytheon. We got to talk about supplying more uh, more weapons to Ukraine. Yes. Uh, not going to worry about this. Golly, man. So then we find out next week, yeah, those other things, we said they, we
2: didn't know what they were that we shot down, we knew, we just couldn't tell you at the time. Right. <laughs> Who knows? Okay. And people are making less money, but apparently that's part of the plan? Yes. We'll try to make sense of that and much more next. Van Camp, and Robin Cho. Thank you so much for being here. I'm Jamie Markley, the Gen Xer, the Millennial, David Van Camp, and the sexy boomer needing his sexy rest. That is Scott Robbins. He's got a little low-grade fever. He said he's going to be back tomorrow. Okay, news update, David. Um, people are making less money, and that's proof something's working?
3: Yeah, that's proof that Biden's economic plan is working, which makes you wonder, then what's the goal here? Uh, people are making less money now. Real wages were down for the month and down for the year. And I want to play you this whole exchange with that with, with that a reporter had with the White House Press Secretary, Kareem Jean-Pierre, just because it is comical to me how she fails to actually address the question okay do you want me to let this whole thing roll oh you can stop stop and play all you want okay
2: numbers came out today that show a monthly decline in real wages as well as an annual decline in real wages
5: administration officials have said growing real wages is an important marker for the economy How do you view the setback in today's numbers?
0: So a couple of things. I do want to say that uh, what we have said many times is that we believe that the president's um, the president's economic plan is indeed working and it's giving people a little breathing room. You heard me say this at the top.
2: Did you hear what he just said? Yeah. People People are going backwards. Yeah, Here are the numbers we but we feel it's working. I know you guys go off feelings all the time instead of facts. This is money, you can see
0: it. How the how we have seen uh um you know how we have seen um uh, the plan actually working. We see we're seeing how? inflation moderate uh just a bit uh, as we've seen the last couple of months and that is important. No, it's still 6% more. Yeah.
3: It's down from 9. <laughs> okay. But, but even then it's it's really not. That's kind of smoke and mirrors because when you're going year over year when you have a 40-year high in inflation for however many months it was, well, of course, on the statute, it's going to look like it goes down. But it's
2: still
0: much higher
2: than it should right. be. Yes.
0: I think she had it right when she said... How, the, how we have seen... Uh, um, you know, how we have seen... Um, uh, right. Yes. You don't know.
3: No, exactly. Man.
2: What must it be like to be her on the struggle bus like that every day? <laughs> we do what, you know, there are times you have a crappy show doing what we do, and, you you know, mm. it bothers you for the rest of the day. Man, I hope it's better tomorrow. You know? But when it's day
3: after day after day, do you ever think, you know what, maybe there is a time to quit. <laughs> <laughs> now I'll just go back to Media Matters or MSNBC and just... just... I'm not good at this anymore. Right.
2: I mean, is somebody going to give her a pile of money to write the book when she's done? <laughs> I mean, I know that's what <laughs> usually happens with these people. I hope they have a good writer, ghostwriter for her. Man, oh, man. Okay. Switching to other things. Oh, I happen to see this story. So you hear a lot uh, from trans activists that we just need more people to understand and be gender affirming. We get that from the White House. We get it from the media. There's never any pushback allowed. And wow, if you see someone detransition, those people are demonized. Oh, yeah, they are. I mean, it's cruel. Here are people that bought in. Okay, if I just change my sex, I will feel so much happier. They do it they're worse off they want to tell their story so no one else follows that path and they're demonized yep and now there's a whole documentary from the daily caller called damage the transing of america's kids and it's got five detransitioners and in it chrissy clark who's a journalist from daily caller said the documentary details the abuse that minors and adults suffered at the hands of a medical establishment That seemingly couldn't care less about the outcomes of these people so long as their pockets are adequately lined. Again, if we had a real media, they would be all over something like this, but we don't. So one of the stories is Chloe Cole, whose name has grown a lot in the last year. I would guess if you had one person that you could say is leading the way as far as a or getting their stories out, she would be one of the top. I think so, yeah. Um, So she's in it. Also... Abel Garcia, Kat Katenson, and Zandra, who sought medical transition services in early adulthood, and then Walt Heyer, who has been around for a while, spent much of the 80s living as a transgender woman. But it tells their different stories. Uh, Garcia was introduced to gender ideology through YouTube. There's a dude, and it made him question whether he was male or female, because Garcia didn't feel he measured up to other boys growing up. And he talked about the pressure to be you know, macho in his culture. Mexican heritage contributed to his belief that he might be transgender. So during his first appointment with a gender therapist, Garcia was quote, affirmed. One meeting, yep, yep you're transgender. And was provided with a letter of support to seek medical interventions. So he spent several years taking estrogen, presenting as a woman which then led him to getting breast augmentation surgery. Garcia then said he realized he made a mistake just 3 months after that and recounted that when he told his therapist, "Hey, I'm going to detransition. This isn't what I thought it was." The therapist tried to talk him out of it.
3: Yeah. Which is also common. I mean, they they aban- there's a there's a uh, Reddit page and I know it's Reddit, so you know, take it for what it's worth. But it's all dedicated to people who have detransitioned. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you this: if ten percent of the stories are true, mm-hmm. um, which I think it's way higher than that, but let's just say ninety percent of them are, are total BS. Okay, it's still just a heartbreaking process for these people because all these folks who were supposedly affirming and they oh we just want you to live your true self and your truth and all that stuff as soon as they say you know what i'm going to stop taking these drugs Mm -hmm. i i would like to figure out you know how to be a girl again or a boy again the hatred is poured on man it is ugly yep
2: it reminds me of someone that
3: has been struggling with booze and
2: stops drinking, yep. and all of their drinking friends are like wussy. Yep, exactly. What are you doing, um, man? Oh man! And Garcia still suffers from urinary tract problems mm-hmm. and genital atrophy as a result just of the hormone therapy. And then they tell the story of Xandra, now thirty-one, decided to transition when she was eighteen. Get it? After she was introduced to gender ideology through YouTube influencers. Mm-hmm. So as a lesbian, she thought she'd be happier living as a dude. So was prescribed testosterone without ever seeing a therapist. Golly. And she said, I wish a doctor would have stopped me. I wish they had required therapy because I need a lot of it. And then told the story about how they were sexually assaulted by a teenage relative when she was four years old. Oh, gosh. And so, now married, planning to homeschool their children out of concern that activist teachers may try to indoctrinate them. Yeah. Because they're out there. Goodness gracious. So, that was out there. Then I saw the story, the latest on J.K. Rowling. Totally different story here. But J.K. Rowling has had death threats. From trans activists for years now and one of the death threats came from a drag actor drag queen JJ Wells I'm not familiar Mm -hmm. but this goes back to 2020 this story goes for a while but the takeaway at least for me was this so they go back and forth and JK Rowling just tried to ignore it best that she could but finally JK had had enough death threats, other stuff, said, okay, you want to uh, bring some lawyers into it? Let's bring some lawyers into it. Let's do this. All of a sudden, Wells decided to back off and issued a groveling apology (laughs) to J.K. Rowling. There you go.
3: How do you like that? You got to fight back, man. You have to. I totally agree.
2: It's too bad that it's not just this choice anymore to just sort of, well, lay back and let it play out. No, you you do. You have to fight back when someone's saying something about you that's not true. Did see this. They do it every year. The most and least sinful states. (laughs) How do you rank it? Well, they go by the seven deadly sins. Crime rates for wrath. Theft rates for jealousy. Fast food joints per capita for gluttony. Casinos for greed. (laughs) Porn site use for lust. Plastic surgery rates for vanity. And exercise rates for sloth. Mm-hmm. Most sinful. One state. Who do you guess? Is it going to be Vegas? It is Nevada, yes. Mm-hmm. or Yeah,
3: Nevada. I mean, yeah. Yes. Uh, right behind. If you had to pick a number two. Oh, see, the casinos thing is what's, what's getting me here. I'll guess Louisiana. That was third. Okay. California second. Ah. Now, as far as least sinful.
2: Uh, Montana. Montana not in the
3: top ten for least sinful. Dang, what are y'all doing up in Montana? <laughs> not far from Montana, of course. <laughs> Wyoming. <laughs> it's not a, it wasn't a Chinese spy balloon. They were just getting a look, getting a look at the heathens in Montana. <laughs> no, uh, Wyoming was least sinful, oh, okay. followed by Idaho and then New
2: Hampshire. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Uh, As far as Texas, if you're wondering, that was sixth most sinful. Ah. What do you
3: chalk that up to? Uh, You ever been to Houston? Yes. There's there's quite a long road of nothing but strip clubs, man.
2: And I was also thinking, man, you can call it fast food, but Whataburger, if that's (laughs) sinful... Oh, man. <laughs> come on. Come on. It's burger! It's great. That's it fine dining. That's not fast food. Oh, no. I'm sure there are a lot of people there for Valentine's Day last night. They got a Dr. Pepper shake. <laughs> awesome. Man, does that sound good? <laughs> um, Man, something interesting happening in West Virginia. We got that and much more coming up right here. Van Camp and Robbins show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins out today. Said he'd be back tomorrow. Happen to see this story out of West Virginia? Lawmaker there has introduced a bill to ban diversity, equity, and inclusion policies on college campuses. Mm-hmm.
3: Good. Yeah, I think that's good. You do, you got to be very, very specific of what you're talking about because otherwise, you know, it, it, you're just kind of chasing your tail because. These radicals who are embedded, mm-hmm. especially in higher education, are gonna yes. figure out a way to get around your law. You gotta you've gotta be very specific about what you are and are not allowing, what you are and are not funding. Well, and I mean from the get-go, you gotta know you're gonna be called racist for that. Yeah, who cares?
2: You don't you don't want diversity.
3: No. Not what White supremacists. Said. Not what anyone said.
2: I understand. But I mean, dude, you take these little statements like Diversity is our greatest strength. Uh, No, it's actually not. It's being the best at everything. (laughs) That's usually the greatest strength. (laughs) I mean, what are you going to do? Have the WNBA say, what we need uh, more Asian American women on these teams. We got to have diversity. I Mm -hmm. don't hear anyone saying that. No. You, You want the best players. Anyway, so they do, you know... It gets pretty specific. See if this fits the bill for you, David. So the bill defines a diversity statement as this. A. Any written or oral statement discussing an applicant's or candidate's race, sex, color, ethnicity, gender identity, or sexual orientation. Views on, experience with, or contributions to diversity, equity, inclusion, marginalized groups, anti-racism, social justice intersectionality confessing one's race based privilege or related concepts then we get to see views on or experience with the race sex color ethnicity gender identity or sexual orientation of students or and coworkers or level of support for any theory or practice supporting differential treatment of any individual or group on the basis of sex
3: race, color, gender, and then it goes on from there. Yeah. They used to be called equal employment opportunity, <laughs> right? Yes. That you're not making hiring or curriculum decisions based on uh, racial preferences or gender preferences or sexuality preferences.
2: Yes. But I mean, it, I think in the end, that's what most people would say would be fair, But some are so indoctrinated the other way. I mean, as an example, I just saw a story. The hens on the view today were again going after Nikki Haley, who's running for president. Yeah. By the way, she's not a woman of color,
3: she's a chameleon. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Sorry, I inhaled some spit there. Okay. She's a chameleon? Yes. That was Sonny
2: Hostin. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Meanwhile, then, Whoopi Goldberg says she can't tell the difference between Senator Tim Scott and Senator Rick Scott. Same to me.
3: Okay. So you're saying... That's, that's racist. That's racist. It's
2: it's completely racist. Yeah. And so Tim Scott must have heard about it. And so he actually tweeted that... Um, Outside of our hairstyle, because they're both bald, um, there are some differences. Um, you should get to know me, <laughs> which I thought was a pretty good way to handle that. Yeah, but God, I shit, guess that's man. what you come to expect. That's just
3: God. I, I I don't know how the left manages to get away with it. I guess if you if if you spend so many years saying that you are the only ones who can tell what race what is racist and what isn't racist i guess but man i can't imagine going out there and and calling somebody what a racial chameleon yes part of that goes back to i think somebody had dug up politico had this horrible take on nikki haley that well you know she's had some problems with race okay because in, like, 2001, voter registration, she put herself down as white. Well, at that time, you had a very limited number of options when it comes to what you can select. Indian American was not one of them. So she's not black. She's, I, I guess she could pass for white. I don't know. Again, it's all—it's such a creepy conversation to be having. I know, man. Like, I know. Is she good enough for the job or not? That's the question. But that's how you measure everybody. So you stay to it, I guess.
2: Hey. Quick question: How many pounds of ice cream you think you eat, you eat a year? Uh, Not here, right. shame. Two. The average eats twelve point seven, but that's only a pint a month. Mm. You're in trouble. Uh, I'm afraid that's going to be the over. <laughs> this is the Markley Van Camp and Robin Show.
0: Are you ready?
2: Thank you so much for being here. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins out today. He so to be back tomorrow. Uh, don't worry about anything flying in the sky, yeah. whether it's a Chinese spy balloon nah. or if it's that United flight that was plunging toward the ocean after takeoff in
3: Hawaii. No, everything was it.
2: fine. It's fine. Don't
3: it's worry fine. about these near misses that we've been hearing about. I, mean, I think Casey Kasem had it right all those years ago. Keep your feet on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> keep reaching for the stars (laughs) yes
2: Um, there's a lot of stuff going on it seems like all at the same time and the more you talk to people you get this sort of uneasy feeling Mm -hmm. like what is really happening in the world it seems like there's a lot of stuff going on but we're not getting answers right okay one of the things what's being taught in school there's the transactivism that has a lot of people concerned. What are my kids being indoctrinated into? Yeah. There's the critical race theory. Mm-hmm. And there are certain states that are trying to do what they can to control that. We don't want students divided against one another. Yeah. We want to get back to the ideals of the country. We all come together for the best of the nation. And so where that's happening, you have what? Administrators, teachers saying, no, we're going to teach the kids because it's our job.
3: Yeah, so there's this group called Accuracy in Media, which is a uh, uh, pro-school choice uh, organization, and they did sort of a Project Veritas-style undercover series of interviews with district administrators from all over the state of Texas. Now, Governor Abbott in Texas uh, has banned critical race theory from being part of the school curriculum, Uh, but these administrators are pretty cavalier about it, saying, no, oh, no, we're going to do it anyway. <laughs> Whatever. And so hmm. there's just a few. I mean, you're talking about administrators from uh, the San Antonio area, Capel, Mesquite, uh, up and down I-45. I mean, it's just a, uh, quite an interesting array of people, all seemingly in lockstep, that they're just going to kind of ignore the governor because, nah, what the governor says doesn't really matter.
2: Yeah, we need to indoctrinate the kids, and we're going to continue to do that. Is that the audio we're going to hear here? Uh,
3: yes, it is. Yeah, there's three different clips uh, here, um, okay? Like just as examples. All right, roll it. So the
2: Abbott like orders or whatever
3: from a few months ago aren't really going to affect anything. I don't
5: think so. Okay. Again, like, that line know. is where Rest- We we we've gotten around it by saying we're
3: just not teaching that. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, we get we get around it by saying we're just not teaching it. Okay, yeah. Okay. Another?
0: So, so y'all don't have, like, the MAGA parents pushing back on... There are a few, but they don't win the argument. Nobody wants to go through that process. What they like right. to do is talk about it on TV to get votes. And get money That's what I was about to say. Yeah. So these anti-CRT laws are just yeah. to placate voters. Yeah, exactly.
3: Hmm. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> just placating voters. and Yeah, we don't... We're going to just keep our heads down and keep doing whatever we damn well please. All right, let's hear the third one.
4: We do not follow much of, like, what Abbott is trying to get us to do. The superintendent really does what he believes is best for kids mm-hmm. and not necessarily what is popular with the crowd, mm-hmm. right? Or politics <laughs> at the time.
3: What's, these people should be fired today. What, what's popular with the crowd, meaning the voters. Meaning right. Meaning the people who pay your salary. Correct. Okay, but you know better. Okay, cool.
2: Yeah, because they look at those people, well, they're... Dumb. They're not enlightened yeah. like we, the right. educators, are. And it's our job to enlighten the kids. Mm-hmm. No, you need to be fired. You need to be done today. Man, it reminds me of the piece. I saw this at Daily Wire, and the headline was, The World Bank Wants You to Surrender Your Children to a Global Child Care Regime. I'm like, what? So I start reading this, and it talks about, you know, and this goes back to Karl Marx. That every adult member of society should be liberated from parental work Mm -hmm. and instead fill socially productive roles. Mao, the same thing. Embrace the doctrine. Clear that in order to build a great socialist society, it is of the utmost importance to arouse the broad masses of women to join in productive activity, which would foster genuine equality between the sexes. And you hear that. And at least to me, I think, yeah, there are a lot of people that believe that
3: to be true today. Mm -hmm. What about being a mom? How important is that? No, because they – listen, uh, socialists throughout history uh, believe that – or have believed that motherhood, family, is a form of of slave labor, essentially. Like you're not – like the family, if you can liberate yourself from the family, then you could have a true communist – Society, because everybody is everybody's family. That's the basic idea. Um, Of course, it doesn't work, but that's one of the reasons why in Mao's revolution, in Russia, and now what we're seeing here in the United States, uh, especially gained steam in the last 10 years or so, is a coordinated effort to drive a wedge between the parents and their kids. You see it all the time. Yeah, because it's not just about creating your kids to be little, uh, you know, making your kids be little revolutionaries for the state. It's about teaching the kids that the state is your parent, the state is the authority that you need to listen to. And it's also about, in their minds and their warped sensibilities, and Karl Marx has written about this or had written about it, that in their minds it's liberating adults as well. (laughs) <laughs> that it's good for them because they don't have to worry about child care anymore, and instead they can fulfill whatever job, be whatever cog in the machine that the machine needs.
2: Right. It reminds me of the Chelsea Handler video that was all over <laughs> the Internet yesterday talking about as a you know woman, what is she, pushing 50? Without kids, she can do whatever she wants. So she wakes up, and then she... Uh, takes some what yeah. weed edibles, yeah, and then pleasures herself. Goes back to sleep till like noon, and then she does whatever she wants, and might you know she could text a friend, hey, do you want to? Well, in the crassest way, have sexual relations tonight. She gets to do whatever she wants, and and it's so liberating and great. Mm-hmm. And the reaction from
3: a whole lot of people was, man, that's just sad. It is sad. Well, and it, you're you're going to get your comeuppance when you're you know pushing 75 or 80 and you need some assistance in your life and no one comes and visits you in the old folks home
2: yeah or it's coming real soon in your 50s too yeah to be honest but this is the whole piece that i'm reading is talking about how it is really being labeled to women that raising your kids is sort of an unproductive activity Mm -hmm. okay you got two young kids right now david yeah and i know you and i have had these conversations off air several times the way you view that job as being a dad is one of the most important jobs you'll ever have it is and that's not a burden i mean you can look at it that way
3: yeah i mean there are things that i can't do now and and you know this as having almost now three grown-up kids um there are things you can't do anymore i mean you can't go out you know to the bar until two a.m. and come home sloppy drunk. You can't. I mean, you could, but you'd be a pretty crappy dad if you did that. Absolutely. But, but, that's why I stopped drinking. Right. Exactly. Well, yeah. Exactly. Look who I'm talking to here. But, but yeah, I mean, it's true. But, I mean, yeah. There are certain But your life that, is so much better and so much more rewarding than it would have been. Well, yeah. I mean, when you're watching your kid try to draw a dinosaur for the first time and they kind of get somewhat of the shape right, that's pretty cool, man. Yes. I mean well, that, not
2: only that, dude, when you stop thinking about yourself yeah. first all the time and actually give of yourself to someone else, I mean, you really do find real joy there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know that might sound corny to a lot of people. I know you're listening right now and you have kids. You're like, well, of course. Yeah, we've all experienced the same thing. But that's not what's being preached to no. people. And especially to women, like being you know, a mom, and if you are able to, because some people aren't but if you're able to be a stay-at-home mom you know at least while the kids are little that's a great thing yeah. I don't honestly and th- I'm sure there are some examples I personally don't know any women that put either career on hold or just didn't go after it to stay at home because they had the opportunity to do so when their kids were little that regretted that yeah I don't I
3: Uh, Anecdotal, I just don't know one. I would say that, especially since now my daughter's three and there are a few people in our lives who are much older than us, and um, just say that uh, what I have noticed is that there are more people who are telling my wife, man, I wish I could have done what you do, what you're you're doing right now with your kids, than there are, oh, man, I can't believe you're not going back to your career immediately. A lot more regret with older women who have had kids and not really even regret, just sort of like, oh, it's a shame I couldn't do that.
2: Yes. Yeah. I always find it interesting when people will actually be honest. I've heard uh, Megyn Kelly do this with several female guests over time talk about that part of motherhood. Mm -hmm. And either they're glad they did it a certain way or wish they would have had the opportunity. It's interesting. Did see this. You probably already know it. We don't have to get too deep into this. James Clapper can't stop lying about Joe Biden's ties to foreign governments through the Hunter Biden laptop. If you remember, he was one of the 50 former Intel officials that signed that form during the 2020 presidential campaign saying, "Well, this Russian inter- misinformation, this right. laptop." Did you, and you probably heard David what he's done in the last few weeks saying, "Well, ah uh, <laughs> Really, what happened was Politico really inflamed that whole thing, what okay. it was meant to be. Yeah. It, not so much what we said, but they, they made it into something that we never meant it to be. There was message distortion, is what
3: he called it. Right. I've heard this before because they said what these 51 former intelligence officials said about the laptop. They said we never really called it disinformation. We said it was a Russian information campaign. Which means that some of the information could be true. Some of it could be disinformation. Except nobody was screaming from the rooftops trying to correct the record. No, literally everyone in media and candidate Joe Biden were all saying that you called it Russian disinformation. Yes. They're liars. And you
2: never corrected them. And now you're saying, well, we were just raising a yellow flag. Please. Again. Again, this guy's a liar. Brennan's a liar. But one of the worst things that's come out of this, it used to be a lot of people in America would hear the former director of national intelligence say something and trust them because they had confidence that person had the United States' best interests at heart. That is obliterated from all of these freaking liars that we have in government. And that's really one of the sad things about it. All right. There's a lot more to get to. Oh, man. There was a group chat online, and out of it came more than 250 horrific anti-white slurs, like yeast maggots. Have you heard this? Yeast maggots? What? Yes. There's a lot of them. We'll get to them all. Coming up right here. van camp and Robbins show jamie markley david van camp scott robbins actually saw um at least one of the morning news shows that being good morning america cover what happened in ohio with the train derailment and you know from people on the ground there i mean we're talking about a couple of weeks now the smell is still
3: in the air yeah well doesn't that tell you something well yeah and there there are more chemicals at play than initially reported Yes, and they knew
2: from the get-go what chemicals were on that train. Yeah. And again, it's amazing. Pete Buttigieg, Transportation Secretary, so little to do with any of this or any information. Well, where's Amtrak Joe? That's a great question. (laughs) He's not talking about anything. With Chinese balloons, no need to talk to the American people.
3: Ah, don't worry about that now.
2: Mr. Loving Trains? Ah! Ah, don't need that. Um, Oh, I mentioned this, talking about Anti-white slurs, mm-hmm. this story, happened to see this at Daily Wire? Apparently, it's a list of more than 250 racist names for white people. It was leaked by an Auburn University student earlier this month. It was shared on a group chat connected to Auburn's Black Student Union on the messaging app GroupMe. Now, the university said in a statement that it's investigating the chat and has known about it for nearly a month. So we're on this, mm-hmm. Okay. And I know some people are like, these slurs are horrific, and I, I can't help it. Some of these, and I, I'm i not for it. I'm not for any sort of slurs, but I'd be lying if I said some of them didn't make me chuckle. Oh, yeah? Okay, you tell me. Klu Klux Karen? <laughs> That's okay. It's a little hard to say. Doesn't Klu roll Klux off the tongue. Klux Karen, yes. Yeah. But at least it got a little snicker
3: there. Uh, Mayo Sapiens? See, it made you laugh. See, that's that's similar to one of my favorites from a, another list that was making the rounds a, a while back. Uh, my favorite one on that one that I always remember is Milk Gorilla, <laughs> which I thought I thought okay, that's pretty funny.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeast maggots. Wow, that Pla- hmm. plantation Barbies. Well, dude, eh, that's weak. Uh, yeah, it's to me. If there are going to be people that already hate you because of the color of your skin, okay, what are you going to do about that? You know, I think any person like that's reprehensible. So it's all going on as far as the name itself, is there anything witty or funny or is it just mean-spirited? You yeah. everybody can judge that on their own. It's like comedy to me. Um cousin lovers? That's a little tired. Yeah, yeah. Or products of incest. That's whatever. Um But when you're talking about what? Albino ape, as you alluded to, that was one of them. Diseased albino monster. Okay. That seems to be trying really mm -hmm. hard, doesn't it? Yeah, that is. Walking corpse. I don't even understand that. Maybe a little pasty? I don't know. Yeah. I'm trying to figure it out. Uh, Diseased Neanderthals. What's
3: the diseased thing? I'm not quite sure. Mm.
2: Not meant to exist?
3: Whoa, that's, that's aggressive. Okay. How
2: do you shout that to somebody? I'm not quite sure. <laughs> but the whole list was entitled Creeker Names.
1: <laughs> Wait.
2: Creeker Names? Yes. What is you know what
3: creaker is? No, it's another slur for an old white person. I'd never heard it before. Is that like because you're sitting on the porch and in a in a creaky old rocking chair? That's what I had figured.
2: <laughs> so I
3: figure when Robbins gets back, if one of us can work in creaker at some point well, during the show, Joe, Biden. Joe Biden's definitely a, a, a creaker. <laughs> All right, oh, I like that's kind of funny actually yeah we'll
2: uh, can you imagine if it was about any other race the oh my gosh rage?
3: it'd be it'd be World War III
2: all over again, yeah. no doubt this is the Markley van camp and robin show okay, biggest
3: story of the day if you had to pick one uh biggest story of the day is that our government is shooting down unidentified flying objects, and the president isn't coming out to tell us about it no instead he's he's, he's sending not. out his press secretary who was evidently dropped down several flights of stairs as a toddler to try to explain this stuff to us.
2: Yeah, it's, it's, it's more confusing after she's done talking yeah. than before she started. <laughs> um, but from what I hear, she's going to be out there again today, so we'll yeah. see if we get any other answers there. Um, so, yeah, we got to get to that. And the fact that we watched it and the military knew what it was from the get-go is insane. All coming up right here. Markley Van Camp and Robin show. I'm Jamie Markley, the Gen Xer, the millennial David Van Camp, the sexy boomer Scott Robbins out today. Says he'll be back tomorrow. A little low grade fever.
3: Okay, news update. You got a couple of them, David. I do. Yeah, okay. Well, timing is everything in politics, right? Mm hmm. So Joe Biden is going out today and he's given a speech, not on, you know, unidentified flying objects, but on his plan to reduce the deficit. Uh, and he's claiming that his budget will reduce the deficit by around $2 trillion uh, in the next decade or so. And then as they're making these plans for him to go out and speak, okay, failing New York Times has a breaking news alert. Okay. U.S. on track to add $19 trillion in new debt over 10 years. <laughs> so about $17 trillion short. Wow. Okay. This is the United States of
2: America. God's sake.
3: That's a lot of United States.
2: So, will the math be something like, well, but see, we were going to go twenty trillion more, but now it's seventeen, so we save three. (laughs)
3: Oh my god. Because that's the
2: way they've done the math before.
3: Yeah. This is the Congressional Budget Office projections that were released today, uh, and they're they're talking about rising interest rates and spending bills are adding to the deficit, duh. I mean, that's that's obvious.
2: Yes. You know, when you look at inflation, and I, we already know this. I'm not bringing up something you don't already know. I guess it's just the visual of the graph of where it was, 2017, 18, 19, 20, and then 21, right
3: after Biden takes office, and yeah. all of a sudden, zoom, yeah. and it well, shoots up. And we didn't have to. Well, yeah, it's it's almost. A, I think we would still be dealing with inflation, but mm-hmm. just because, and, and you know, the element of truth that they always include in their lies from the White House is that if you do have global supply chain issues, that is going to create shortages, yep. but, and so yeah, you are going to have some level of of inflation because of that. But the two trillion dollar bill that Biden put out there, yep. that he signed, that added to it um and and look at the end of the day it also comes down to oil and gas it always does when you severely hamper the ability to not only drill and you know make plans for future projects which allow costs to stay down for oil companies uh and then you also crack down on this green weenie stuff with uh with oil refineries well, the cost of gas is naturally going to go up, and then you it's it's a record profit. Right, right. Oh, yeah. No, apparently, nobody knows how stock buybacks work either. Um, anyway, yeah. Look, at the end of the day, you're right. It didn't have to happen. There are policies put in place by this administration that uh, contributed massively to the rate of inflation that we're experiencing here in the United States. Yes. Meanwhile, we.
2: You have this whole conversation going on across the United States of what's been in our airspace yeah. over the last two weeks. And as you call him
3: President Bystander, he's yeah. nowhere. I guess by design? I, I guess, because I don't know what they expect him to go out there and say. He can't freewheel it. No. Um, so CNN now is reporting... That President Joe Biden could deliver remarks this week addressing the downing of a Chinese spy balloon and other unidentified high-altitude objects over North American airspace. That's according to two sources familiar with the matter. Uh, They're actively weighing a potential address by the president. Now, here's how the article reads. Officials had been wary of Biden speaking publicly about the objects until more information is gathered about the three unidentified objects that were downed last weekend. But because there is political pressure for him to uh, address the nation about this, uh, apparently now they're they're coming to terms with the idea that the president actually has to do pres- uh, president stuff occasionally.
2: So will they be going with the line of, well, you see, because of how we detect this stuff in the air, mm-hmm. uh, we've gone to another level and now we're detecting stuff uh, that's probably been there in the past, yeah. but it, we just didn't know
3: it was there, but now we do. Yeah. So we shoot it down. Yeah, they they dialed up the wattage on the balloon detection system,
2: <laughs> which then doesn't make sense of what you originally told us about the first Chinese spy balloon, because you didn't want anybody to get hurt on the ground. But now it's just willy nilly. We're going to yeah. shoot it. Well, we don't care about the people in Alaska as much as Montana. Yeah. Is that what right. you're saying?
3: I, yeah, I don't know. Well, they you know, and they say when you sh- when you see like where these balloons were taken down, especially in the Yukon. And uh, in northern Alaska, yeah, there aren't a lot of people there. there are, I mean, a lot of that space is completely uninhabited. But you could also say the same thing about the opportunities that we had with the spy balloon over the course of, what, two weeks? Yes.
2: It, that part, I just it, it doesn't make sense to people. But we'll see what happens. Is that it for the updates? That That's what I've got today. Okay. I did see this piece. And, I mean, this is more of a headline that, you know, is clickbait. I admit I get suckered in. It was from Fox News. It said this is one of the greatest federal government scandals of all time. Oh, yeah? Like, wow, that's huge. Now, I don't know if the payoff's there. Um, But it is interesting, nonetheless. And that is that you've got hundreds of thousands of federal employees that have been getting a full-time paycheck from the government without showing up for work for three years now. Now, yes, and the piece says, to be fair, just because an employee is working remotely doesn't mean they aren't working. And that's true. Mm -hmm. And you've got just over half now of private sector workers are actually in the office. But more and more all the time, you're seeing people saying, hey, you got to get back into the office. We're going to have to have this now. Um, But as far as federal government, the percentage of remote workers is still a lot higher than that. The Federal Times News outlet reports that at the end of last year, only about one in three federal workers were on the job in the office. Hmm. Mm. So the new House Oversight Committee chair, James Comer, is pushing a bill that would require all federal agencies to reinstitute their telework policies as they existed on December 31st of 2019 before the pandemic. hmm with expanded remote work for only authorized projects. So the bill passes the House 221 to 206. All but six House Democrats voted no. <laughs> really? really? man. And it does mention, well, more than 90% of PAC donations from federal employee unions go to, well, Democrats. Well, yeah, of course. And that's all part of it. So that is Interesting. That in all these places, I mean, you got to go back to the office, yeah. but not so much if you work for the government. Which brings up the next point, which is you know, a lot of people didn't notice that a lot of these people have not
3: been in the office, right? Which brings up the next question: How many of these jobs do we need? Well, why do we have so many federal buildings? Is my question. Yes. How much does it cost to keep the the lights on here, uh, and I mean, I'm not saying that's going to solve the the budget crisis that we have in this country, but, I mean, geez, you look for cuts anywhere you can, right? It's the old Dave Ramsey snowball, right? Yes. (laughs) Take the little one first, tackle that, and then move on to the next one. So, uh, yeah, I'm just wondering how many buildings in Washington, D.C. and throughout the entire country are just more or less empty, and uh, should we start auctioning that stuff off? I think we should. It's an idea. I did see a
2: completely different story out of D.C. today where now they're dealing with the homeless. Mm -hmm. Tents are just popping up all over the place. You got, well, certainly more politicians there saying, we got to do something about this. Do you remember a point in time, and you grew up in Houston, going back a few decades, Mm -hmm. David. Didn't it used to be like in a public place? Someone puts up a tent. Say they're going to have maybe... Just one night sleepover in the middle of a park. Somebody's going to come along and say, "Hey, what are you doing?" Yeah, you can't put a tent up here.
3: No, of course not. When did we lose that? Well, honestly, when progressives starting reaching positions of power. Of course, well,
2: say- don't bother people there. I mean, I understand that there's a good chance they're going to commit a crime there, but they got to have somewhere to go, so we don't want to disrupt them. And then when they have, you know. A few friends come and they put their tents up there. Well, and within a month, we got, you know, 32 tents there. Just leave them alone. Mm-hmm. It can't work that way.
3: No, it it really can't. I mean, we got to get back to, to some common sense and decency. And, you know, whenever you talk about that, there are the left-wing activists who say, well, poverty is not a crime and all this stuff. It's like, well, no, nobody's making the argument that poverty is a crime, you moron. No. But there is a public safety and a public health issue here. And you can't spend the last three years demanding everyone who walks into a Walmart wear a mask and then suddenly say that some guy shooting up heroin in a kid's park is just, well, he's just minding his own business. You can't do that. It's wild.
2: It's wild. You know, it was one of the things I just saw stat-wise the other day of once people retire, what states are they leaving the most? And when I heard Colorado was in the top 10, I couldn't believe it. Yeah. I thought everybody wanted to go to Colorado. Yeah. You know, well, you got a big homeless problem there, too.
3: Yeah. Denver is a big issue. Yeah. I, it's just crazy to me.
2: Um, on a lighter note, 46% of siblings said they had a sibling rivalry growing up. And I, as far as I can tell, this was done in the United States. Mm-hmm.
3: Only forty-six percent. Yeah, it seems to be higher than that. Or, I mean, are, are the rest of Americans kind of like me, and that I have had total victory over my brother? <laughs> <coughs> but that's still a rivalry. Are you're saying yeah. it's just such a route now that right. it's re- you can't really call it a rivalry. Can't really. No, you really can't call it a rivalry. Okay. All right. So I guess in football terms, it used to be like the Chiefs and the Raiders, yeah. but because the Chiefs have been good for a while and it's been so long for the Raiders yeah. that it's really not a rivalry like, right uh, now. I mean, yeah, it's it, rivalry in name only. You know, Got sure. it. By the way, only 29% said they still do after mm-hmm. growing up. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe my brother will get a couple of good draft picks and, <laughs> you know. You love to pour it on, because I at do. any
2: given time, your brother could be listening. Yes, exactly. I didn't know that. Yeah. You and your brother don't agree on a whole lot. No, we don't. And if you it's are just- listening, cry more, Lib.
3: There we go. <laughs> All
2: right, got to get to a news update. And Nimrod's in the news straight ahead right here. Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins show. Jamie Markley, Van Camp, Scott Robbins. Uh, I have a news update for you. Oh yeah, um, Rochelle Walensky, CDC director, mm-hmm. being questioned today. Um, this is—I'm not sure who is asking the question. I guess it doesn't matter. This lady, though, is a very good question. Kathy McMorris Rogers, I do believe. Roll it.
4: In fact, the CDC is currently the only. National or international public health agency that recommends masking two year old children. I'd like you to explain in detail the process and the timeline by which evidence such as this is used by the C D C to update, modify, or necessary withdraw current guidance.
2: That seems like a good question. Yeah. Okay.
4: Great. Thank you for the opportunity to clarify on those points. So I believe you're referring to the Cochrane Review study. This is an important study, but the Cochrane Review only includes randomized clinical trials. And as you can imagine, many of the randomized clinical trials that were included in that were for other respiratory viruses, not COVID-19. So-
2: okay, David, you have this confused look, so just tell me to stop whenever
3: you want. Well, it's like one, uh, uh, Kathy McMorris Rogers, representing the 5th District of Washington, very well there. Um mm-hmm. But, uh, (laughs) well, they only did randomized trials, okay? We have gut feelings and orders from teachers unions, okay? (laughs) Yes. Some
4: of them were for COVID-19, just to be clear. But it is very different for COVID-19 because you have a pre virus that, uh, different from flu, potentially different from SARS or MERS, transmits before you actually have symptoms. It's also the case that one of the limitations in that study was clearly stated that um, people were not actually engaged in the intervention. So you actually have to wear the mask for it to work. Okay. So there are lots of studies now in Georgia. Dr. Walensky, why are we masking our kids today?
2: (laughs) Good. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is where we get the real McGurkin or the stepping over oneself, I think.
4: You know, thank you. Also, so our guidance um, for school-based masking is related to our COVID-19 community levels. And fortunately, we're in a place now in this country where most of our country is in green or yellow, um, has uh, lower... low or moderate transmission or COVID-19 community levels. And in those situations, we actually don't recommend masking. We recommend it for high COVID-19 community so, levels. So what is your timeline for updating, reevaluating yes. these these guidance? You know, our masking guidance doesn't really change um, with time. What it changes with is disease. So when there's a lot of disease in a community, we recommend that those communities and those schools mask. When there's less disease in the community, we recommend that those masks can come off.
2: Okay. Yeah, people are going nuts on Twitter right now because of (laughs) this not because of the time no it doesn't change
3: yeah right well so it's just in perpetuity here's our recommendations and i mean honestly we need to go back to just not caring what the cdc has to say about anything but unfortunately there are too many democrats in power who want to follow what they say even if the science says it's not really what's necessary i mean i was totally caught off guard for a second by her talking about a a majority of the country being in the, what, green and yellow. I totally forgot there was a color-coded system. I'm right there with you. Because everything got so confusing. Everybody's trying to create these, like, color-coded risk levels, and the state has one, and a different state has this, the federal government's using something else, the CDC's using something else. I mean, I have not had one single conversation with anybody throughout this entire thing in real life Boy, did you hear we're at a red level right now. Hmm.
2: No, but mm. all you hear is it's terrible to mask kids that are three. Yeah. And you never heard a good answer. Yeah. All right. We got to get the Nimrods.
1: Roll it out. When the going gets tough. Damn it, this is too hard. The dumb get dumber. All right, Dan. It's Nimrods in the news on the Martley, Van Camp, and Robbins show.
5: I love the poorly educated. Well...
2: Nimrods in the news. This is unlike any we've had before, I do believe. See if you can make sense of this one. Uh dude in Indiana, twenty-six year old Austin Bristow. Um was standing next to a nineteen ninety-eight Buick. It was on fire. Hmm. Strange thing, Austin said, Hey, it's mine. I set it on fire to discourage people from stealing stuff inside it. Well Why? Because if there was nothing left of the vehicle, there'd be nothing left to steal.
3: Um. Sound logic,
2: honestly. (laughs) Well, at one point, uh, the fire caused a small explosion. Austin told the cops, I hope the explosions would be bigger. (laughs) What? (laughs) It's unclear what he was talking about. The cops did find drug paraphernalia on him. Yes. And in addition to arson, he was charged with unlawful possession. And that's Nimrod to the news.